Hello and welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange, our series of conversations with the artists, labels and promoters shaping the electronic music landscape. My name's Mark Smith and I'm the tech editor at Resident Advisor. This week's exchange is with Nick V. On every second Saturday for the past nine years, his Parisian club night Mona has been dedicated to returning dance to the core of the club experience. Drawing a mixed crowd of vogues, whackers, house dancers and regular punters, Mona injected classic strains of house and a communal spirit into the Parisian club landscape. Nick V sat down with Antoine Carboneau ahead of Mona's ninth anniversary party to discuss the importance of dance to dance music and his first-hand recollection of the evolution of Paris's dance scene. As always, you can find our full archive of exchanges at residentadvisor.net and follow us on SoundCloud at ra-exchange. The Exchange with Nick V is up next. Hi Antoine. Welcome. Thank you very much for being here tonight. Your monthly party, Mona, is turning nine this year. How does it feel? <laughs> Feels like I'm getting old now. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's actually quite a, a nice feeling because nine years is becoming quite a long time now. You know, um, we've been around since ni- it's 2008. Things have changed quite a lot, and through the years, we've had hard times. We've always had good times, but some of the first times were quite hard. We've even considered stopping. So to come all this way is, um, we're pretty pleased. Yeah, pretty pretty happy. <laughs> yeah, it's cool to be to, to be still here. Yeah, to to, to be this old. I mean, yeah, uh, nine years is older than my than my daughter, so that's already cool. <laughs> and for those who might not be familiar with the concept, can you explain what is Mona about? Well, as I said, Mona's changed like quite a few times through the years um, but there's always been a baseline to it which is um, bringing together people from different communities different environments into one space uh, around music around house music which is our our staple music the, the what we play basically house music and original house music disco soulful house music it's also a party that celebrates dance uh, in many forms 
when I say dance, it's um, quite an obvious thing because we, <laughs> we're in a club, so that's what people do. But what we try to bring together is the culture around dance. We try to encourage people to come with their different forms of dance. We try to teach dance as well for people who don't know at all about it. And uh, we also do contests, dan con dance contests, to kind of like uh, showcase different forms of dance, different forms of dance that have been born in the club so that people can know more about it. So, um, and it's also very important for us and for me as an <laughs> older DJ to um, kind of bring back dance culture to the center of a club. So how does it work during a night? So you're starting with a dance context? Not always, but we do sometimes start with a dance contest. Um, but there's always something involved around dance in the ingredients of the party. So we always start with either a dance contest or uh, a dance class. It's mainly more dance classes actually, because we, we, what we really like to do is, we don't want to kind of like have the more uh, experienced and professional dancers coming down. What we really want to do is bring dance to the, to the, to the people who don't, who don't know about dance, who don't really, you know, dance themselves. So we try to teach people the basics around dance. We, we always have a teacher down there who gives a kind of beginner's class for people. And then that vibe carries on through the whole night and the dance class is free. So we get like, you know, lots of people coming in at the start of the night. And it's really great to start a night off in that way, in a very positive, rich, positively orientated form of energy at the start of the night. And then we also do, once in a while, we do contests because we do have, I would say, experienced and more regular dancers who, who often come down to Mona. And then we give them a space uh, at the start of the night. We always start a little bit earlier. We open doors around about um, nine or 10 when we do contests. And that's a moment when we can kind of showcase the different forms of dance that we put forward. So there could be voguing, house dance, whacking. We've had jazz dance and even more experimental forms of dance, but it's mostly and mainly dances that have been born in the clubs and dances that are culturally linked to the music that we play. So um, house dance, obviously, but whacking, which is linked to disco and voguing, which is also linked to house music as well. So how does it work? Is that, is that like a, a dance uh, per night or it's like a, a meeting of different dances during battles? So it, what are the, the rules? The, um, how does it work, the contest? The, the, oh, the contest, the contest is always has different categories. So you would have, for example, you would have a house dance category or a whacking category, and then you would have different voguing categories. So the, the, the way it works, I mean, it's inspired from the form of balls, you know, ballrooms, the ballroom scene uh, from Vogue balls. So we have categories and we have competitors who enter the categories and we have a, a judge, panel of judges who judge the winners and who goes through to the next round, etc. When we do the voguing categories, then we have voguers who come down and pass their tens. The tens is like when the competitors come down and then if they get 10 out of 10, then they're, they're allowed to go through and compete in the competition. So we do that and we follow the, the, the rules of the voguing, of the voguing community, of the, of the ballroom scene. Then we also have other categories, which, are, which, which could be whacking or house dance. And we even have sometimes a mix of two, you know, like house dance and, and whacking, like duos. What are the differences between those dances, whacking, voguing? There's a big, big difference. I mean, there's a common denominator, like I said, because it's like they all come from club culture and mostly from US club culture. 
but there are differences. Voguing comes from New York. It's born in New York, born during the 60s, 70s, and made famous by Madonna, but existed much before. Uh, came through the um, LGBT culture as well. And it was linked to, to house music at the start, but it's more about, it's a social form and it's also a culture. So it's also a way of, for LGBT people to exist uh, in a different way. And it's a very performance-based and it's very linked to models and posing, and, but it's really changed since those early days. And it's gone even to a more athletic form, which would be the, the Vogue Femme way where there's much more acrobatics and more drama in it. And there's also a lot of dressing up in Vogue because you also have to follow different themes. So you could walk a ball, um, but when you walk a ball, you have also have, you have to follow a, your category, but you also follow a theme of clothing. So that's voguing. I mean, there's much more behind it as well, but um, I could talk a long time about voguing. But whacking, for example, is comes from the West Coast of the US. It's born in California. It's, it was also born in, in gay LGBT culture around disco. It's similar to voguing in the sense that it's very flamboyant and there's a lot of posing as well. But it's, it's different in the sense that it, it celebrates, you know, the stars, Hollywood stars posing, um, whereas voguing would probably be more linked to, to fashion and magazines. So that is the main difference. And music, the music behind it is, is very different as well. House Dance was born in New York, was also born in Chicago. It's a mixture of different dances that weren't called house dance at the start. There's jacking that comes from Chicago, lofting that comes from the loft in New York. And these are the clubs where house music started to be played. I think during the 90s, at some point, there's somebody perhaps maybe in Japan, they, show, they, they coined the term house dance, where they brought together all these different forms of dances that were born, that, that were made, born in New York, Chicago, in different, in different clubs, and they put them all together in a, in a, in a videotape, and, then, and they called it the house dance tape. And that, that's how house dance, the, the term was, was, was born, but it existed much before. It's all born in US, um, either New York, Chicago or, or, or LA, all these dances. And who are the dancers who are coming to the, your parties? What's their background? Wow, there's a lot of different backgrounds. I mean, if you're talking about Vogue, then you have dancers that come from similar communities, LGBT, Black, Arabic communities, but also LGBT in, 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 in Paris. And that's something very important because I didn't mention that, but Vogue was born in the, in the minority community in New York and a black Latino community. And you have the reflection of this also in Paris. So you have people coming from those communities that, are, that perform and come to dance, but you also have girls that now dance Vogue and also dance whacking as well, because Uh, what is important to say that these are dances that um, that celebrate feminine culture also and that celebrate the feminine side of things. It's the first time that you do have dances that are actually more feminine than masculine. I think that's also something that's quite important to mention because you've always had women that have always had to dance like men in hip hop or even in house dancing, but now you have uh, you have a feminine dance and that, uh, that, have, that have been created by, by gay men, but also uh, that's, that's now celebrating the culture of, of women. You have also straight guys that do the Vogue also, that, that have, you know, like uh, come in from house dance and from hip hop. And that's something that's, um, that's uh, I think that's really cool as well because it's kind of breaking down the walls. So that's 
basically that's what we're trying to do at Mona as well in our contests, in the dance contests, is to kind of like bring together different forms of dance and to have people from different aspects, from different cultures to come and meet each other and to, you know, to, to share their influences. You do get like voguers who come and enter a whacking category, or you'd have like house dancers that would come and do whacking or, or even start integrating vogue moves to their dance. So that's something that's always been interesting for me, just like house music brings together different influences, Latin influences, disco, uh, Afro, you also have the same in dance as well. For me, you know, like it's the reflection of the, the reflection of music. You can see it in dance as well. Back then when you started the Mona, were you feeling that dancer were missing a club to go? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I'm quite old. <laughs> so I, I don't like saying back in the day, but like in the early days when I was starting to go out, people were, were really much more into dance than they are today because we're more in the celebration of an iconic DJ culture today where people come out and they follow a DJ and they follow what they do and they're into his music and they, they watch him mix. And that's totally cool. I mean, that's great. We really need that because that's what supports DJs today. Back in the day, once more, I mean, in the olden days, DJs weren't that supported by, by crowds. So um, that's really brought forward a new art form. But it's been to the detriment, it's been to the, to, to the cost of dancing clubs. So what we've been trying to do, you know, is try, try to bring that a little bit more back to show that there's not only the DJ in a club, but there's also you as a clubber and the way you dance. That affects people as well. That influences people. If you have people dancing around you, then you're going to dance more, you know, and that's going to, that energy is infectious. It's going to spread all around the room. And that's something that we really want to do. For us, it's also a way of spreading a lot more positive energy inside the club. And it's a way of showing there's not only one way to, to club, there's all many different ways. And if, if you're capable of catching that energy from someone else and spreading it to someone, to another person next to you, then that's, that's, you know, that's a strong part of, a, of um, the way your party is going to evolve in the, in the club. And to go back to France, France has today one of the strongest dance scenes in the world. I mean, behind the US, but not that far behind. I'd always noticed like early in the late 90s and the early 2000s that, that there are a lot of a lot of great great dancers in in the clubs and what i wanted to do is like uh, give them you know their their place um, but i also wanted people to get influenced by that to have a glimpse of that energy and to to bring it into themselves so we're not the first party to to be a you know like to put forward dance There's also there's other clubs in Paris, other other parties such as Dance Culture or Atmosphere, other club called Le June that have been historically supporting dancers for a long, long time. Where we're a little bit different, perhaps, is that the, the fact that we we try to make it more uh, accessible to anyone who wants to come in and dance. Yeah, actually, that's what <laughs> what I wanted to say. If you're not to, you don't have to be a good dancer to to go to Mona, and actually, there is room for everyone. Like, yeah. actually, if you're a dancer, if you need rooms, there is like a a spot, like a space next to the to the DJ booth where they have more space. So that's interesting to, yeah, I'm, I'm, to say there's room for everyone. <laughs> I, I, I'm the example because I'm not a professional or I'm not a good or a regular dancer, but I love dance and I love to dance. And I guess that people can be a bit um, maybe uh, impressed by the great dancers. I'm the first one to be impressed. So what I wanted to do and what we wanted to do in the team is that 
we wanted to make sure that people are not in awe and not impressed by dancers. Though that's why we have these classes at the start where there are hardly any professional dancers and most of the people that come down the dance are people who are, who are dancing for the first time in a organized and a taught way. So that's the main thing. It's not about the performance. It's not about uh, what you do. It's just about releasing your energy and, and sharing it with people around you. Is there like some learnings that you come up with through the years so to create the conditions so the party works well? You definitely have to have a positive force in your club. So that positive force comes comes from dance. So we always, always, that's why we make it free, you know. That's why it's free to come in and the, the first, the class is free. That That's something that we started off with because we wanted to make sure that people come in with it in, happily and they come in um, and they're, they're happy to come in and learn something. So that, that, that was really important for us. How did the party evolve through the years? You mentioned some lows and higher times. So yeah, the <laughs> first you started at La Java, yeah, which is a very small club in Belleville. Exactly. It's a historical club. We chose that club uh, in 2008. And it wasn't a club that was very su successful at the time. And we had our crowd because I'd already been promoting parties before and, and organizing my, my, re my other residences maybe three or four years or five years before that. So we, we chose actually a club that didn't really have their, their own crowd, you know, like a, like a main crowd. Like we wouldn't have chosen a place like Le Rex where they already have their own vibe, their crowd. We chose a club that didn't really have their own crowd, you know, to be able to bring in our own thing, you know, to do, bring in our own vibe. But at the start, it was quite hard because at that time we do now, we do original house music. We do like soulful house music. And at that time of the decade in 2008, that wasn't the vibe at, the, at that moment in Paris. So we had a, quite a lot of older, older clubbers coming in But yeah, there's so much you can, there's only so much you can do, you know, like at one point people are getting, get older, you know, they stop going out. So we're at a, a low point, maybe in the, fir the first two years were quite hard. And also uh, at that time, we, we really didn't want to build the party around the famous DJ names that we would be booking. So we actually never told anybody who were coming down, you know, we, we kept it secret. And people had to guess <laughs> who, who the DJ was. Yeah, we always had like, yeah, we always had strange anagrams and uh, things that no one actually ever found out. <laughs> it was really overconfidential. And that kind But of... Who, who were you booking back then? We had a lot of Parisian DJs. We had Cyril, DJ Deep coming down. He opened the night. Franck Roger, Frank Roger, to say it in an English way. We had DJ Nature, who was wasn't called DJ Nature at the time. He was Milo Johnson, who is one of the original members of the Wild Bunch who later gave birth to Massive Attack. We had DJs that we're still booking today, like, you know, Horse Meat Disco, a lot of different French DJs that we still, they're still, they're still around, like Jeff K, Patrick Vidal. It was very confidential at that time and perhaps over-confidential. We were happy with that because we were pulling in a, a, a connoisseur crowd. But at the same time, we weren't pulling in any new people. So after two years, we thought this is going to have to change. You know, we had to kind of find a new formula. And at that time, I was friends with two guys, two young guys that I'd been seeing around in the clubs, in the record shops. They were really kind of maturing as, as, as DJs and as producers. I gave them their break and one of them is now really famous. And so is the other one as well, Jeremy Underground. 
and and brother it was at the time when their label was was actually born you know like it was their first release i think and i told them yeah do you want to come and play and at that time we decided to start announcing the dj's so that was the first party when we announced the dj's and it was a great success because they brought in a whole new crowd of people who were following their sound it really helped us as well to renew ourselves as a party at that time at that same moment as well we started we also started the dance concept with the dance classes we didn't do the dance contests at that time we started them a little bit later but that's when we started to work with dance so uh, that was the first time we kind of renewed the energy of the party <laughs> what were your relationship to the whole voguing scene that has been around in paris and that is quite big nowadays and It was, um, I mean, back Because in... Because Mona is not a bar, it's not a ball, right? No, it's not, it's not a it's ball. It's, it's we, important to make the, the distinction. Very, yeah, it's very important to say that. I have to say that now, actually. I mean, uh, we don't do Vogue balls because what we do is very different from a Vogue ball because we have different categories. We have whacking, we have house dance or something that's called express yourself, which would be more experimental. But we do include voguing. So we're not technically a ball, you know, we can't... Uh, say that because the ballroom scene has rules that you you need to follow as um, as a member of the ballroom scene. So we we we're kind of a bit apart from that. So we had to rename our contests as a, a dance contest. So we're not technically a ball, but we do have a lot of the ballroom scene. They come down and they have fun at our contests because it's a way. It's a moment for them to kind of release their energy and and perhaps be less serious than something in the um, in the ballroom scene. And then they also they're also able to confront their dance to diff different dances and enter different categories. We're not a ball, but our relationship to the ballroom scene is quite a, quite an old one because right at the beginning in 2010, I met some of the main dancers in the ballroom scene, notably La Sandra Ninja who is the mother of the House of Ninja in France, the Paris chapter of the House of Ninja. He really helped us out at the start. He came to do a dance class and we did voguing from the start and then we carried on. And then two years later, we started off doing competitions. We called them a ball at the start. And we started off that way. And at that moment, at, at that time, there, there weren't as many balls as there are today. So Mona was kind of one of the, the first uh, events for voguers to come and um, show their, their art form. And we also chose voguing because we're very linked to the, to the gay scene traditionally. I mean, I, my first residencies were in gay clubs and... Um, Your first clubber experiences as well. As well, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, that was, they were the most amazing clubs in Paris at that time in the early 90s. They were the first part, the first places where you could listen to house music in Paris. What, so I, what were the clubs back then where you would go? The main club was called Le Boy, The Boy. <laughs> And that, that was the main club at that time for house music. You'd have all different forms of electronic music. This is in 19, 1990, so, I mean, the term techno didn't even exist at, at that period. And you'd have a lot of new beats, which is a kind of um, a Belgium form of electronic music, slow and still the, the slow 4-4 kick drum, that's in there but it's very linked to um uh, industrial slow proto techno you know some nights at le boy there would be house music and the dj would be laurent garnier he was one of the first djs you know to bring in house music to paris that was the club the main club 
it was a gay club. It was the, a really incredibly free place to be. People would dress, people would, would um, dance. There'd be catwalks in the club and no one would know where the DJ was. He was in a booth, like behind, behind a wall, behind a, a window even, you know, he wouldn't even be in the club. That was the first club experience for me. And it was quite a, quite a strong, really strong experience that I've carried, you know, carried with me since then. That's kind of influence. And that's why, you know, uh, all my residencies have always been linked to um, the gay community because of their, the musical choices at that time. And also because of the freedom in the clubs. And I've always tried to carry that on into, into, into Mona and the people that, that I work with today that are, because I don't, Mona is, you know, it's not me, only me. It's, I'm also in a, I work as a, as a team, you know, with different people. And um, some of those people have also known, have been part of that experience in the early days as well. Tell me more about the early scene in Paris, because you've been there actually uh, as a dancer, a clubber. So how was it like? You, know, you were telling me about Le Boy being one of your first club experience. That was the, the only place where you could listen to house music. How did you get introduced to this uh, small scene wow, back then. It, it's, a it very, <laughs> it's a very long story. Where can I start? I mean, like, I can tell you about the club scene because, yeah, it, it wasn't only clubs. It was, it was raves as well. I mean, like, we're in 1990, 89, 1990, 1991. So that's when there were also a lot of raves in Paris. They were never as big as they were in the UK. They were different because they were much smaller and they involved a very mixed and very discerning kind of crowd that were really following that that vibe. So maybe there were like 1,000 or 500 people would go to, to, to every rave and you would always see the same like 200 or 300 people. In those first years, it was really exciting because musically it was all over the place. I mean, you'd have like what you would call today techno or, or house music, but you'd also have hip hop. You'd also have ragga, you'd have like MCs. Some of the, the DJs are still playing today. David Guetta was one of the DJs I heard first in, in one of the first raves. And it was quite a, a socially very mixed, very mixed crowd. And it was uh, very open-minded as well. So that's something that influenced me as well. I mean, something you would also find in the gay clubs. And that's also part of the ingredients that I'd like to find today in Mona. But how did I get introduced to that? Wow, yeah. <laughs> that goes back to where I was born. You know, I was a young kid living in the Paris suburbs and it was quite a straight, as in strict and very, very standard way of standard area, uh, standard areas where there's very, very norm normative. And the clubs in those areas were very normative as well. It was kind of like, very strict to get in, strict door policy, but very uninteresting. You'd have to wear a suit to get in or something like that. And that was something that was, I wasn't very interested in. And then being into house music and in those days, the only clubs where you could listen to house music were, were gay clubs or in the raves. And there were also clubs, they're the only clubs that would let you in as a suburban kid because they were so open-minded. We would come down there and kind of like check out the the door policy, see people dressed up in a certain way and we'd, we'd come back dressed that way, we'd get in. And that was uh, a mind-blowing experience. You'd get into this, these clubs and you'd never seen these sort of people in there. And it was such a, a mind-opening experience that, you know, we'd come back. We'd come back each time, we'd come back every week and we'd 
make friends with people in those in those places and then go out and then follow go them to after go to after parties or go to different raves and um that was a, a great experience for me and for all my friends that were coming from like a uh, suburban paris where it was kind of a le much less open-minded how would you listen to house music outside of the club at that time it's quite a rare form of music you can't really find it i mean outside of the clubs There are a few radio stations like Radio Nova or FG, which is which was um, Fréquence Gay, you know, gay radio station, and it was the first place, first first um, FM radio station to play house music regularly, because house music was the um, kind of emblematic music for the gay community at the time. Wow. But was it a music that you would listen in the in the suburbs back then, the Paris suburbs? That's a good question. You know, I did because. I came from somewhere else. I came from Manchester and that I was listening to house music already, but most of the people in the suburbs didn't have a clue about house music. I mean, it's not a judgment or anything. I mean, it wasn't really something that was being played on air. I mean, there was a radio station actually that was playing house music. It was music played in a disco show. And I'm not even sure that the DJ knew that he, it, it was actually house music, you know? And he was saying, oh, this is like music from New York. This is music from Chicago. This is Sterling Void. And, and it was house music, but it was mixed into disco. And it was brilliant. It was brilliant. That was, the, that was a brilliant, brilliant radio show. But, um, and a lot of people didn't know the term house music. They were just listening to dance music. But in the suburbs, there wasn't really an openness around that form of music. If you were going out to a gay club or going to a rave, then it was pretty much looked down upon. There's a lot of there was a lot of prejudice around house music at the time, be either something that was linked to to being gay or later on to being part of a drug-driven scene. So it was we really looked down upon. And in the suburbs, you would be either listening to hip hop or soul funk, which was where I was coming. Uh, I was coming from, but. And it was a great scene because it was really rich and there were lots of things happening. French rap was starting and there was a great scene around soul and funk and disco because there were a lot of people buying records and digging records, but it wasn't really uh, going anywhere and they weren't uh, open to house music, which is totally the opposite to what was had been happening or in the US or in, in England. Because yeah, you were born in Manchester And then you grew up there until you're 17, right? And then you moved to, to Paris, moved back to Paris. Yeah. Um, how would you compare your two musical education between the two cities, the two countries? Well, quite a, quite a lot came from both. I mean, like coming from Manchester, being born in Manchester, I mean, without actually even realizing it, it was a very, very rich musical upbringing. Uh, even though my parents weren't that much into music. I mean, going to school and um, just hanging out with English kids and being an English kid as well, you know, like being influenced by all the, all the stuff playing on the radio during the 80s, by John Peel, by the top of the pops, by the top 40, by all the musical scenes that were being rapidly born in those few years, you know, like between 81 and 85, maybe like three or four different music scene, musical scenes were born, you know, like from New Wave, hip hop, electro hip hop, electro funk, house music, all these forms were, were coming through. So that was a really rich period for me. And coming from Manchester is also the indie scene as well, indie rock, pop. And um, I was too young to, to go out in the clubs, but you know, the, the records were being sold in the shops, 
bands like um, Joy Division, The Smiths, all these groups that were coming out of Manchester. So in retrospective, it was a very, very rich moment in time for me as a, as a teenager. But at the same time, I was coming to France and in Paris, um, it was much more restricted, but it, it wasn't less deeper musically. I mean, like people are people, you know, like if they enjoy music, they go really, really, really go for it. As the, perhaps the, the cultural variety, uh, the, uh, the offer was much less uh, wider than in Manchester. But uh, I was coming to, I was, you know, visiting regularly with my, my parents coming back and forth to, to Paris and then they being based in, in a French suburb, then I was uh, exposed to like what was later to become uh, French rap culture. So all the bases, all the bases of this culture were already there in the, in the early 80s. And, um, you know, that's where I heard James Brown for the first time. And, and that's where um, I saw hip hop dancing for the first time. And there was a TV show on regular mainstream French TV called uh, Hip Hop, H-I-P-H-O-P, which was uh, an hourly show where, where they would show you the moves and uh, they would film people coming in and, and kids were coming in and dancing and there would be battles and stuff. And um, that was uh, an amazing thing to, to experience as a, as a teenager coming from Manchester. I would see two different visions of hip hop I mean, the, the, the UK Manchester vision was very electro based and there were all these compilations coming out on um, Street Sounds, which was a label that belonged to a guy called Morgan Khan. And they had these electro, hip hop electro compilations. I think there were over 10 of them over two years. I mean, that's quite a lot of music, you know. And at the same time in Paris, I was coming to Paris and I was uh, listening to all these tapes of James Brown, Barry White, and, you know, like old school uh, disco and guys starting to breakdance, you know, on, on this music, you know. So it was a much more soulful vision, more funk-based vision in, in France. And uh, France has a really, really strong soulful and funk-based culture. Very, very strong, thanks to like pro probably the the jazz heritage from the First World War, where uh, a lot of um, American jazz musicians found a haven in Paris because French people really appreciated their music much more than Ameri in America. And that's carried on. That carried on via the different waves of immigration uh, from North Africa, from Africa, people who, who really embraced the, the US Afro-American culture in Paris. And um, I think even more stronger than, than, than in Manchester, in, in a sense. So it was very, very interesting for me as a teenager to, to have those, the two sides, you know. At that time, there was someone playing both hip hop and house music. Um, that was David Guetta. You started working with him, right? Yeah, I started working with him a bit later on, but yeah, he was one of the first people to kind of embrace that that double musical culture. There were opposites, in France at least, because people weren't, you know, like everyone who was into hip hop was saying, oh, house music, no, that's uh, gay or it's drug music or it's white or I don't know. It's, it's something really terribly segregated in France about that. People who would listen to house would say, oh, hip hop, oh, it comes from the suburbs. It's uh, no, that's something that can't go there and blah, blah, blah. So it's quite a, not that many people who were uh, going for both. You had David Guetta, who was uh, an original hip hop DJ, and he started to um, 
get into house music as well quite quite early. So he was one of the first DJs to play both and to promote parties as well with both in them. So he was a great DJ back in the day. I mean, like I, 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 I went to some of his nights and um, he knew how to pull a crowd. He knew how to pull a crowd of different people coming from different backgrounds. So you had like strong gay crowd, but you also had people into hip hop as well. He, he, he was like pulling the more open-minded people together, you know, from all these different cliques. And you're starting being close with him, right? Uh, yeah, because I, he noticed that, you know, with my group of friends, we were always coming to his parties and um, he was a super friendly guy and he was very generous. Sometimes we couldn't get in on the door. So he would go around <laughs> into the backstage and open the back door in the side street and let us, let us in through the side street as a DJ. So we'd come into the club through the side door and he'd give us drink tickets. And, um, and later on, when he became the art director or the, the curator, as you, as you probably would say now, of the Queen Club, which is one of the later gay clubs in Paris. On the um, Champs-Élysées. On the Champs-Élysées, yeah. And um, in, in, I think, 92. Then he would, you know, ask us to, you know, he would say, yeah, who, who would you get as a DJ to play at the Queen? What, what, what's your favorite DJ? And he was one of the first people to book Like, you know, like the US DJs, we saw Derek May, Robert Owens, David Morales, thanks to David Guetta. So, and he would book these DJs and then play before and after them. Yeah, he was such a friendly and generous guy. And um, I got to work with him because he needed, he needed help. He needed help for promo. So we were, we were coming in uh, during the day and we would help him out with his flyers, put them into envelopes, take them to the post office, and he would send all 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 this promo material out to his um out to his uh, mailing list, you know. So yeah, that's how I started to That's how that's how you started being involved into the the industry. Yeah. Were you uh, DJing? I I'd always been collecting records because as a kid in Manchester that was a standard thing to do. I'd never been any anyone special in that sense, you know, like everybody in Manchester collected records. But then I started buying house music and coming to France and buying hip hop and, you know, all the Tribe Called Quest, Digital Underground, all that 90s stuff. And at the same time, all the 808 State, all the stuff that was coming from Manchester and the Chicago house uh, records that were coming through as well. And then early garage records from New York. So I was buying that stuff in the record shops but I wasn't DJing then. And then um, I got my first turntables in 93 or 94, around that time, you know, and uh, and I was working for David in La Queen in the promo service, helping him out with the flyers. So all that came, kind of came together at one moment. That's how I started getting involved in like, in the, in the club scene more as um, in a more professional sense, really. But is that something you wanted to do or it just happened? You know, when you do things, uh, you you always say uh, you always follow the flow. But I think definitely deep down, yeah, I wanted to be. I wanted to work in 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 a club. I wanted to be there. I wanted to be. I wanted to be in the DJ booth, and I, and that's why I got my my turntables. I wanted to be a DJ. You know, so you know, like I just followed the flow. But deep down, yeah, definitely that was something intentional. You started doing booking with David then at Le Quin. He left to open another club at Le Bataclan which is uh, unfortunately known for the Paris attacks. But um, he opened a club there in, in 1995 with a whole group of people who were promoting and, and he was the main DJ there. 
but he left. So his space was vacated. I was kind of like asked to join the new art director as his assistant. And I helped him a bit more with the bookings because I spoke English. I helped him connect with all the agencies to book like foreign DJs, international DJs. And at that time in 94, 95, that's when it was becoming more and more regular to have international guest DJs in the clubs. Because you have to know that, you know, like in the early days, you'd only have like resident DJs playing in clubs. You'd rarely have a guest, rarely ever have an invited guest. I mean, the first guests would be the ones that David would bring to the Queen or Laurent Garnier at his wake-up parties at Le Rex. And those are the only two clubs that were actually booking guest DJs. But in the other clubs, it was just all residents. They were really good, really, really good. But um, so yeah, I started to work in 95, helping to book guest DJs and then being the flyer, flyer boy, like a paper boy, you know, like <laughs> I would go around, walk around Paris with a bag full of flyers that was really heavy. And the, the more I went to bars, the less heavier it got. And then I ended up on the end of my tour was I finished in the record shops, which was really handy for me. My bag was empty. I just filled it up with records. So yeah, that was, that was my job. It was a great job. I mean, it was a part-time job because I was also a student at that time. It was really cool because it helped me uh, meet a lot of people, buy a lot of records and um, get behind the scenes into, you know, what it was to run a, a club and run a party. And the Queen is where the so-called French Touch started 95, 96. Yeah, exactly. Were you part of that? Because um, there were the respect parties that were the first French Touch parties, if we can say. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't a part of the artist book there, I was, uh, but I was part of, the, uh, uh, of that scene. You know, I was, um, I'd started to play as a DJ in, um, and warm up, but with my position, I didn't want to mix, you know, like uh, decide that I was going to be the warm up DJ. I was already helping out programming DJs. So, uh, you know, there was, it was a different job. So I was doing it on my side and at home. And in and in smaller parties, and sometimes I would fill in, but I wasn't part of this part. I wasn't part of the DJ circuit, and that's when yeah, the the French touch scene started to um, come together. You had two defining like parties. One was uh, the respect party, but before that, there was the FG party, the 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 radio station I talked about before. They had the 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 the, the Wednesday nights at Le Queen that the respect parties later also took over but um in the in the first years this is in 94 95 it was the fga parties and they would like be booking uh people like dave clark or um or or daft punk even and, and what was your take on this new french house sound that at that time there wasn't one french house sound there was many different sound but many different many different forms but the, i remember the first time i heard daft punk i was really uh really it was really new for me i have to say I, i didn't like it i remember when i was given the record it was in a record shop called street sounds and the guy that gave me the record is now uh, one of the guys behind kitsune called gilda and he gave me this record and he said this is this is a record by my friends uh it's pretty cool and um so i listened to i, I think i listened to it about seven times in the shop i said there's something behind this record there's something there Uh, actually, it's not going to fit into what I do as a as a DJ. You know, I was uh, into this into soulful house and classic house, and it was so different. But um, it had a real edge to it, and that edge really pushed um, the French scene forward. Later, in the respect parties, you had um, 
this is in probably 96, 97 and 98, you had all these different forms of the French touch scene coming together. So you had people like Daft Punk, uh, but you also had Dimitri from Paris who was playing a more disco, soulful uh, form of house, which was close to what I was listening to, playing to. Then you also had Yvon Smag, who's later to become one of the spearheads of the more electro house scene and, and, and very, very, very edgy. And at the same time, you had all these dancers coming in. That's when the, the the Paris house dance scene started. So it was a really, really um, special party respect because um, it was bringing together all the different faces of the of the French touch scene. We're saying that the the French house scene were in the end uh, very diverse. Um, there were a lot of uh, different sounds. So which one did you follow? I was really into the to the to the deep soulful original house scene, and and that actually was part of the French touch scene as well, with um, artists like Jeff K and uh, Cyril K, and then later on Franck Roger and uh, and um, Olivier Portal, Olivier Portal playing for the City, all these really brilliant people coming out, DJ Gregory and and DJ Deep as well, and. Um, Alex from Tokyo, all those guys um, uh, were doing some amazing things at that time. So I was that was that was a scene I was more into, you know. It wasn't in reaction to what was happening in the more like uh, the the scene that became more famous, which was what Daft Punk did, and then later on was born, you know, Justice and Ed Banger and 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 the work that um, Pedro Winters has has done later on, you know, out of that that side which is something I really appreciated and also pushed forward the French music scene a lot, but it wasn't the sound that I was playing. And um, so, yeah, I, I really, I was really into that, that more soulful scene and that kind of scene went, made its own thing, you know? You had parties called like Cheers and clubs like Le June that were born in the early 2000s. And then the house dance scene got bigger and bigger as well. So it was quite a strong scene in Paris even though the staple sound at that time was more tech house and electro clash, that all there was always one or two clubs where you could hear the soulful sound. Carrie Chandler was always coming to play in, in Paris. Le June was the, the main club at the time. That's when I started my own residency as a, as a DJ to the background of all this in 2003. At that time, it was the minority sound in Paris, but it never died. It was always there because you always had these like staple DJs that were still doing their thing. And now the house scene is stronger than ever in Paris. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Uh, it, it, can, it, it, it came back, you know, like, um, as I said, it never died, but it just at, in, at one point, because of the work of all these people that have always been there, you know, like have always been playing the records, producing the records, Record shops like Bettino's and 12 Inch have always been, who uh, Bettino's who's still here, you know, like still going strong, had always been supporting that sound because of this like red thread that's always been there, you know, like slowly people came back into the sound, but younger people, people like, you know, Jeremy Underground and, and Brother and, and now um, DJs like, like Hugo Alex and, um, People like DJ Stew and, um, and and his record label Rutilance. So this sound is um, it's always been there. And then and in 2010, the scene suddenly became bigger and bigger again. You know, and, yeah, with uh, a lot of new parties happening every weekend. Exactly, yeah. And and the new thing about that scene is that like um, 
there were new parties, but they weren't in the same clubs. They were in different places. It was kind of like the rave scene was coming back again, you know, like- That's how you felt? Definitely, yeah. I was booked to play in a place in the suburbs where no would ever go, in a farm. Um, I played in a suburb called Saint-Denis, which is really quite far out for French, for Paris people, you know. Paris is kind of well known for people not going outside of the peripherique, which is the ring road that circulates around Paris. And all of a sudden you had parties springing up like 15, 20 kilometers away from the center and people were traveling there, taking But the train. But what happened? What happened? according to you, because it seems impossible 10 it, years before. The, the kids took control and I'm really happy. I'm really, I'm really grateful for them, to them for, for this because they took control and they said, there's a new way of doing things. And these kids uh, who are now probably 20, 25, had been to Berlin, have been to London or to, to, to go out and to, to party. And they know what it is to, to go, to travel to a place to go out. So they weren't afraid of bringing that model to Paris, you know? They imported a kind of concept and they, and it's also more collaborative way of uh, working that they brought to Paris, they brought, they brought to France, a more collaborative economy as well. The way they, they uh, different, different promoters support themselves and uh, don't like step on each other's terrain, like they, they really have worked together. So it's, it's been a, a very collaborative way of working that, that these, this new generation has brought to Paris, which has been, which is the main difference, you know, with, uh, with the, the previous years where it's been more individual. So. so there is definitely no way that you're feeling nostalgic after these many years on the Parisian scene. <laughs> nostalgia no <offense>. is... <laughs> I'm old, yeah, but nostalgia is not a, uh, I don't think that's the, that's the right form of energy if you want to move forward. Even though I, I do play like a lot of old school music and I love the, uh, the emotions that are linked to it. But like today, what's happening today is really super amazing, you know, for, for Paris. I mean, it's really made the scene much more healthier and the economy of the scene is, is, um, is growing. Uh, there are much more producers around and a lot of a um, lot more people attending parties as well. So it's really created, um, that's created an economy and it's also created a lot of love for what people are doing now. I've never seen so many smiling faces at my parties as, as today, you know, so that's, that's really great. And the creative output is, uh, is amazing as well. Yes. I mean, there, there, are, there are so many producers now then, and, and I think it's really, it's really put Paris and France on, a, on the map as one of the main, in terms of house music at least, uh, main house music nations. That's yeah. why you started the label? I have to say uh, I started the label because I, I was very, very impressed by a lot of the stuff that I was receiving a lot of the demos and music that I was receiving as a DJ, it was time for me to, also time for me to move on from just being a DJ and a, and a, and a party promoter and organizer to, to, to expand into that, into that, into a new uh, dimension. But it was the right time because the, all these new, all these new artists and producers are around now and that I've, I've been receiving so many demos. I mean, like there's a lot of amazing music that's, uh, that's about to come out and not only on my label, but like uh, on all different labels in, 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 um, in France and in Paris. After the label, what, what comes next for Mona? <laughs> You know what, we started to do Mona's uh, abroad internationally and everything, but I, I didn't want to make a, like a 
international brand, like go really big. I really appreciate taking the, the concept abroad, but it has to be a kind of an exceptional moment. I, um, it, it's something that's uh, quite precious for me, like to, 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 to build as a party. And it's a lot of ingredients that you have to have to make this party special. You have to have the right dancers. You have to have um, the right music, but you also have to have the right people. I mean, you can't just do a Mona in another city. It has to be, you know, something that people feel from from the inside. So that's something that I, I had thought about, I have to admit, but it's not something that I'm going to push that much. But what I'd like to do with with the label is to carry on pushing forward a lot of the local scene and also bringing together people that come from other other fields of music like uh, I know that there are a lot of people in, involved in the jazz scene in Paris that would love to do house music. And that's something that I, I really want to do. Like, again, mixing different influences, like you like the dancers that come together from different forms of dance. Then it's the same thing with the music. I would like to have like jazz musicians that, that come in and do and do house music as well. And the opposite as well. Cool. Well, thank you very much. Well, thank you. Thank you for the moment. And uh, yeah, happy birthday on that. Yeah, thanks. I hope to see you there. <laughs> I'll be there.